But what I found about the Enneagram for myself is that it deepens my self-awareness to the point of shadow work. And that shadow is including the ego and things that hold us back like those limiting beliefs. Uh, it's the layers of the onion that are so close to the core that are probably why people shy away from it are probably going to shed the most tears when you slice through that onion. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Leanna. I'm Jared. And this is Hello and Goodbye. See, doesn't that feel smooth? Yeah, I it's, think we're doing, yeah. It's so quick. I think we're killing it. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, well, welcome back, guys. This is maybe one of my favorite episodes ever. I I have been, we did, so we recorded this interview a few days ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. And uh, yeah, I've, I'm like, ooh, I need to do more work around this. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm excited about it. Okay. So basically today's episode, we have an amazing guest on and we will introduce him later in the episode, but mm-hmm. we're talking about the Enneagram. Yep. So if you don't know what the Enneagram is, you may want to pause this for a second. If you're at home uh-huh. and go look it up, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. I'm sure you guys saw it on the title. Yes. Anyway. Um, but it's a, it's a personality assessment. So if you've heard of Myers-Briggs or any other kind of personality thing, it, to me, it's just so connected. It's, it's just like connected for me in a way of getting to know myself better and to getting to know other people in my life better. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just, yeah. Anyway, it was like our guest, Dave, he just is so knowledgeable on it. And it was so funny, like watching his face when we would like say things he's like oh yeah like are you like this and we're like yes we are (laughs) so um you may even want to stop this and go take like the test yes right to like even figure out why not um like what personality you are so if you go to enneagraminstitute.com you pay 12 dollars, you can take the legit test it's the ready test R-H-E-T-I. Yes. Yes. And is it .org? Enneagraminstitute.com. Mm, .com. Okay. Yeah. But you can also find free Enneagram yes. tests. They're just not always as accurate. So mm-hmm. like when I first did the free one, I got two very different numbers than what I actually came up as in the longer yeah. Like mm-hmm. more intensive tests. So, mm-hmm. anyway, if you've got the extra twelve bucks, go take the test. It might make this episode uh, make a little bit more sense. But also, you might listen to this episode and then be like, "Oh yeah, I need to take that test." Yeah, I mean, and it's like it's interesting because everyone, I'm sure everyone like knows their love languages, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people, more and more people are doing like attachment style and stuff. And I love the way our guest talked about like no the interplay between all three of those things yes really gives you like a very full picture to think about and understand how you show up in dating relationships and really it i know it gave me a lot of insight on the things that like trip me up and and stuff like that so yeah and if you because he does incorporate love languages 
and attachment theory into this. If you want to go back and listen to those episodes as well, we have episode 26 is on love languages. So Mm -hmm. we kind of break down love languages. And then episode 15 with Dr. Morgan is on attachment style. Yes. So, um, so yeah, you can go back and, and it can, it just like all flows together. It was just like, Oh, I just loved it so much. Like I wish I could have talked for like three hours. I know, I know. Uh, this, it totally like, the wasn't hour long went enough. by so yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, but you know, we all have things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So let's just talk about some stuff, and then we'll we'll get you guys into the episode. Yeah. So some housekeeping stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. One, <laughs> I deleted the Patreon. R.I.P. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Jared was like, I texted Jared and I was like, um, hey, I I think I'm going to delete the Patreon. He's like, he texted me later that day, like 10 hours later, because he yeah. had a really busy day. He's like, hey, don't do it yet. Let's talk about it. And I was like, yeah, I already did. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's one of those things. I was going to bring this up with you. And of course, this is our classic intro rabbit hole that we're going to fall down. But I feel like our relationship is a very secure relationship. I agree. Don't you think we have really good yes, secure attachment? I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and then that happened and I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> you know, like it, was, but like it was fine. You know, I was like, oh, because there was some stuff. And you and I talked about it earlier, obviously, like the idea of like, well, maybe we could try Patreon again sometime. It's just another really low key, easy way for people to support the show if they want. Um, we love everyone who listens and hits us up on social media and any way you can support the show is awesome. But, but anyway, yeah. So I, I think it's fine. Yeah. So, well, and here's, and here's why I did that. So first of all, for those of you who were supporting through the Patreon, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, we really appreciate you and you will not be charged for November. Mm -hmm. So basically I've come to the conclusion and what's ironic is I had already come to this conclusion, but then Dave in our episode talks about how my Enneagram number, it spreads tends to spread themselves too thin. Mm, mm-hmm. And um, so basically I've spread myself too thin <laughs> with the podcast. And, you know, when I started this podcast, it was basically pre-COVID. Yep. And then COVID hit and it was like I had piano virtual and the podcast. I wasn't yep. doing yoga. Um, life was slow. And so I was like, okay, well, I can do the Patreon and then I can make the website and do this photo shoot and do the YouTube channel and you yep. know, life has picked up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then my dog had surgery and then she had surgery again. And I got a boyfriend and yeah. now I've chosen to foster this adorable yet, you know, havoc wreaking kitten uh-huh. um, who, by the way, should be um, getting a home within the next couple, which which will be really nice. Yeah. But if, if people are in the southern california area and they want to come adopt louis is that is that well louis already has uh louis already spoken well, for well louis has is basically already spoken for like okay. someone's already applied and they're waiting for their phone interview oh that's exciting yeah, there was like three applications that went in for louis louis's got a lot of suitors louis louis is the most adorable little black kitty with yep. white legs that go all the way up to his body it looks like he's wearing like <laughs> thigh-high boots. Oh, he's so cute. We love him. But um, yeah, it's just, I just realized, you know, that I needed to really, what what is my goal for the podcast? Mm-hmm. And while the Patreon was a, a great place to do some extra stuff, mm-hmm. right now, I just, I think that I would 
rather just focus that energy just into the main episodes. Yeah, and I think, and you know, we we talked about this before, but the podcast, you have to support yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You are an independent business owner, right? Your piano business and your yoga business and all these things. And the podcast is something that costs you money every month. Yes, correct. Right, like it, it costs for us to do the show and put it up. And so, you know, there's, you know, if people support us through sponsors or support us by rating and reviewing, we love it. Um, but we're hoping to get to the point where it can break even or maybe even be something that you can get some compensation for all the time and energy and effort you put in. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and there are other ways to support us yes. through the podcast. And so we can talk about that now. Yeah. So, yeah, so Patreon is cut. But mm-hmm. it, who knows? Jared Jared really likes the Patreon idea. So it, it will probably come back in the future. I just think it's going to – I just need to take some time. Yes. And we need to really build, like, a solid foundation of what we already have. Yes. Um. And but we've got the merchandise, right? Mm-hmm. We've got some hello and goodbye mugs, some really sweet sweatshirts. Yep. I got together with my best friend Janae today. She's in town, and Zach was wearing his hello and goodbye sweatshirt, and she's like, "Oh, I do really like that." Yeah. So they're even like better in person. Come on, they're Janae. Super. You know com- you want one. Yeah, they're super cozy. They're super comfortable, and we've got the gray one with the like more like prettier writing and then mm-hmm. the green one which is like the more like just like sh- kind of typish typeface typeface yeah, writing yeah. yeah um super comfortable and then we've got the hats yep. you know which i'm basically just giving them away you know what actually if you want a hat mm-hmm. dm me and all you have to pay for is shipping and oh, i will look send at you that. a hat free hat free hat you just got to pay for shipping so if I'm, somebody was wearing, if a dude was wearing, like, if a dude had, like, a hipster mustache and was wearing the sweatshirt and the hat, don't you think he'd be, like, the coolest kid at brunch? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you could pull off that look. Totally. You could pull off, yeah. like, the, we need to get Zach to grow a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> and, because he's, he's good looking enough that, like, and, like, we'll just, he'll Zach be, like, could totally pull off a mustache. He'll be, uh, guerrilla marketing, we'll send him around to coffee shops with. Looking very cool and handsome in all of the Hello and Goodbye merch. Wouldn't that be great? Yes. We should definitely do that. Yeah. So anyway, for merchandise, you can go on the website, www.helloandgoodbyepodcast.com, or just DM me on Instagram. Yep. And uh, we do Venmo. I do Venmo. You can do PayPal through the website. Um, if you want a free hat and you're willing to pay for shipping, again, just you can send an email or DM me and we'll get you that hat. Nice. Yeah. I think we're only, I have four hats gone. So there's only, what's 12 minus four? Eight. Eight. (laughs) 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 Okay. So we've got the merchandise there, which is a way you can support us. And then we've got a couple sponsors. Whoop, whoop. So let's talk about VFresh. VFresh is our OG sponsor. Mm -hmm. And I love VFresh. And I was actually just talking to a friend who was dealing with some yeast infections. And I said, listen, like use VFresh. It's a boric acid suppository. So it's the Mm V-Cleanse. Use it for seven days. It's going to help with the infection. And Mm -hmm. then you can use it one to three times a week as preventative. So you can use it after sex. You can use it after your period to try and basically it just helps balance the pH. It's amazing. I cannot like promote it enough how Mm -hmm. amazing this product is. 
And they also, VFresh also has a, a V Gentle, which is a wash um, used on the outside. And then they also have a V Tract, which helps the urinary tracts function stay really healthy. So if you guys are interested in any of those projects, products or project you could think sure, of it as yeah. a, a vaginal cleansing project um you're gonna go to www.vfresh.com v is v-e-e mm -hmm. and the code for 10 percent off your first time purchase is all capitals hello 2020 great okay so that's our og yeah now what we really want to hear about is have you tried your hello tushy okay so our newest sponsor we're so excited is actually and i have to correct myself it's just tushy Oh, it's just Tushy. It's just Tushy. Oh, they're not in the Hello But the website, family? the website is hellotushy.com. Oh, it's yeah. just Tushy. It's just Tushy. Okay. Mm. So Tushy is a company that makes bidets. Yes. And they also have, they're, it's basically like they're trying to help the environment by using less Paper. Paper. Yeah, you don't have to like cut down trees every time you have to poop. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so they have created um, attachable bidets, spa debate, spa, <laughs> spa, 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 spa bidet. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's good. Um, heated bidets, travel bidets, mm -hmm. bamboo towels. Um, and I. Are you supposed to wipe your butt with a towel? Well, see, the thing is, is if you use the water, I guess that's true. Oh, yeah. Then you can use a towel. Yeah. Yeah. They've really mm. thought about this. That's, yeah. There's also t-shirts that say, ask me about my butthole. Okay. You're not supposed to wipe your butt with the t-shirts. No, don't. No. I mean, you could. <laughs> you could. Yeah. You'd be so clean from the spa bidet cleanse. Yes. They're like, you could wipe it with yeah. a t-shirt. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. But anyway, um, so Zach just installed my tushy today. <laughs> that's a great euphemism people need to start saying that start saying that was he like yo girl I'm coming over to install that tushy Yo, get so, ready. <laughs> okay, so the tushy is installed, uh -huh. and um, it's so easy. It literally took him like twenty minutes. I told you. Yeah, it's super easy. I mean, well, I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy. I didn't do a thing, but yeah. he did it. It was done in twenty minutes, yep. and um, it's super cool. You can like you turn it to like the left for the hose to clean out, and then you turn it to the right. To get the spray, you can mm -hmm. adjust the angle of the spray if you want it to go more to the front, ladies, or yeah. if you want it to just hit that back. Um, it is very powerful. And you got to turn the dial slowly. Yeah, the first yeah. time I tried, water just shot up my butthole, and it was shocking. But not altogether unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm obsessed. Yeah. I'm obsessed and I don't understand why. I, I told you. I know. I don't You're understand. You're never going to want to poop anywhere but home. I know. From now on. So anyway, you guys, if you want 10% off of your bidet, you're going to go to www. Actually, it's not www. www. 
<laughs> Only two W's. Just kidding. No W's. No, it's just hellotushy.com. Yeah. And um, it's hellotushy.com slash hello and goodbye. So, yes. so it's not a discount code. It's just when you go to the website, you do the, what's the slash thing called? Just the slash. Oh, okay. You yeah. do a slash and then hello and goodbye. And what it does is it takes you to the same site, but when you go to the site, everything is 10% off. Yes. And then when you buy the tushy using that URL, right, with hello and goodbye in there. Uh, URL. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, that's what you were yeah. thinking of. Then it supports the show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So... There you go. You can support the show and have a really clean butthole. Yeah, you can help your butthole. You can help, help the environment. Vagina. You can help <laughs> your vagina. And you can help the show Basic, all at once. Yeah, basically we're taking care of all of the the lower portion of your body. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we're really, yeah, we're here for you guys. Happy to help. <laughs> Okay, so the last bit of housekeeping um, is the rating and reviewing. Yes. Okay, so this episode is coming out October 30th. Oh, yeah. Which means you have less than, well, you have like Today 48 hours. Yeah. Yeah. So when you listen to this, scroll down, hit the thing. Yeah. Okay, so what Jared means by that is... <laughs> If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh -huh. scroll down, go to the rating and reviewing, hit the five-star rating, and leave us a review. Yes. The, um, we will pick out our favorite reviews, mm -hmm. and we will do an Instagram Live in our costumes tomorrow, so October 31st. That's true. Okay. And, um, and we'll read our favorite reviews, and then we'll also announce them on the next week's podcast. Do you know what your costume is going to be? Yeah, I already told you. I have it. I don't have a cat. Okay, well, you're going to... Can gonna, you help me brainstorm? Yes. We'll okay. make we'll make something. Okay. I, I mean, you you could just... Yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, guys... I was going to go as a tushy installer. Do you think that that would be good? Sure. <laughs> Whatever you want. Um, but anyway, yeah, you guys... And I was actually talking to the same friend... Um, who I was talking about the V Fresh thing, because um, she doesn't have an iPhone. I'm like, your husband has an iPhone. Yeah. Take his phone and go leave a review. Yeah. But I just don't think she needs a mug. I think that's really what it is. But oh. listen, whether yeah. you want a mug or not, it helps the it show. It helps the show. The yeah. more reviews we have, the more maybe our podcast, you know, they spotlight it yeah, and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So even if you don't want a mug, just go leave a rating or leave a simple review or whatever. And thank you for everybody who has left ratings and reviews. They're awesome. We love you. And uh, we're so appreciative. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Okay. One more thing. Yes. Before we update. Um, so this episode, again, is coming out on the 30th, mm -hmm. which means we are four days away from election day. Yes. Vote. Okay. So election day, super important. Your voice matters. Go vote. Um, if you don't want to stand in line or be risk, you know, if you're COVID conscious, you can always vote by mail. Mm -hmm. Jared already voted. Yep. And I'm going to go stand in line because I like the, I like the day of energy mm -hmm. of like going to vote, you know, yeah. and then getting that sticker and then taking the selfie or whatever. Uh -huh. So um, anyway, and I guess by the time, we'll see, we're going to record our intro on next Sunday. So we're going to record it before we know the results of the That's election. That's true. Yep. But anyway, um, yeah, just, just, you know, 
you guys know how we feel about everything. Yep. And we just encourage you to vote. Everybody vote. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, you said you have something to tell me. Oh, I mean, so I... Uh, so I have been... I have officially started my... I'm going to do... I think I'm going to... I'm going to go at least 90 days, but I might go more like six months of like no substance use. Wow. Yeah. So I... Uh, Are you talking about... You're talking about any substance. Yes. No alcohol, no marijuana. No heroin. No heroin. Okay. No nicotine. Oh, okay. Um, I, I mean, was joking about the heroin, guys. Yes. Jared does not do... <laughs> um... But you are the occasional smoker when you drink. That's true. Is that a... You think that's a generational thing? Like, because you're not really a millennial, right? No. Technically, I'm, I'm like, right on the cusp. But I also went to college in the South. Ah. Uh, like, yeah. a long time ago now. Yeah. And, like, everybody smoked. Interesting. And so... And I, like, never smoked... I love how we're talking about me smoking. Um, I never... You brought up substance! I never smoke... Uh, Except for when I'm yeah, drinking. I know. Which yeah. is really interesting. Um, but anyway, so I've, you know, I'm like a weekend and I, I really appreciate it. Like I'm going to start, like people have, people, uh, some listeners recommended some books and I've had a couple other books to like read and look at. Um, it's not hard for me to not drink, you know, it's just, it's only like socially where mm-hmm. it sort of shows up as weird, Yeah. you know? Um, and so, but I feel... I don't know. Like I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I feel like it's going to be good for me because I think drinking just puts my like emotions on like a mm-hmm. roller coaster. You know, like you know how you yeah. feel like down the next day yes. and stuff. One of the best things I heard someone said this on a podcast is like, um, if you're not feeling great about your life, and like, like at the start of COVID, people started drinking a lot more and stuff like that. He's like, if you're already not feeling great about your life, he's like, you realize you're like guzzling depression juice Mm -hmm. right like that's what it Mm -hmm. is you know and for me that doesn't show up like when i drink i get like very like happy and fun Mm -hmm. and and you know um feel really nice but it's like the next day and then like i feel shitty physically and then like and it like i really do think it takes me like three or four days to like even out sort of Mm. like emotionally Mm. and energy wise and stuff and so it's nice, like, we're recording this right now on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so I, like, got so much done this weekend. Aww. You know, and I, like, felt so, like, rested and relaxed yeah. the whole time and stuff. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely am open to doing something like that because I've done something like that in the past and I felt really great when I wasn't drinking. My skin was um, better and... Like, it was just, it, I felt really good. Mm-hmm. I just, I really like wine. I, like, okay. I really like I wine. I get it, right? And I'm not, like, I would never tell anyone to stop drinking. Yeah. The other thing is, like, I fucking love drinking. I know. I know. No, <laughs> like, I, know I know. I love it. But, and I, and I know, and your, your personal journey with it, and if you guys go back and listen to the, uh, drinking drugs and dating episode Mm -hmm. we talk a little bit more about you know our journey with drinking yeah um you know i definitely like i had some dark moments this week and one night i was like i'm just gonna i'm still gonna because i'm i'm on kind of like a clean eating kick right now Mm -hmm. i had i had gained quite a bit of weight from covid and then being in a relationship Mm -hmm. and it's like 
nothing nobody else would really notice, but for me, it like weighs heavy on me. Mm-hmm. Ha. <laughs> and um, so I started this Bar Method Challenge with Bar Method West Hollywood. And so I'm doing like um, trying to do 38 classes in two months. And that's been making me feel really good. And then I've been cutting out. I just don't feel good when I eat a lot of carbs and sugar. So yeah. I've really been cutting down on that. But anyway, I, I had some dark moments this week of just feeling really down about something that was going on. And um, Friday night, I definitely got pretty drunk on some wine by myself. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. that when we were texting? No. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah oh, I, I went, that was it. And I was mad. And I was mean to you in the text I think I don't think you were mean to me well so Jared I asked Jared for some advice on something and I was mad about his advice <laughs> <laughs> that is now that is the truth <laughs> because it wasn't what I wanted to hear and so I was like you're not on my side and which like, to be fair we have I have done that to you in the past. And I, I feel like I have friends who do that to me. Like my what? friend Melissa, whenever I tell her about something between me and a girl, she's always on the girl's yeah. side. And I'm like, you're my friend. But I really was not trying to do that this time. I well, think. I, I, but I appreciate your input, though, because you like you have the guy's side of the input. That's fair. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, whereas I, I if I were to tell my my best friend Michelle she'd be like I can't believe it and you know like you know I feel like girls have girls backs Uh you know and then guys are just like well I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this and so I'm gonna tell you how to fix it yeah that I was probably doing that a little bit yeah probably a little bit anyway no I appreciate it but I I always want to make it clear that I have your back I know and And I'm just trying to help yes right yeah but I was just I was just yeah I wasn't having it but anyway, wow. yeah, I was a half bottle at deep nice. in rosé. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you were like, I'm doing this thing that's really healthy for me. And I'm like, yeah, I just I just got wasted on. <laughs> and the funny thing is, as you were, what just happened? What happened in the video? I don't know. Oh, that's weird. Oh, it's on the wrong side. Um, Well, the funny thing is, is as you were telling that story and you said like, I was a half bottle of deep in rosé, I just was like. That sounds so wonderful. But here's the thing, though, is like, um, like I could totally see myself just giving that up for a while. Yeah. You know? But what's funny is today I was like, hey, Jared, you want to go grab drinks tomorrow with like, some friends? And you were like, well, I'm not drinking. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But, and then I was talking to Zach and this other friend. And we're like, okay, well, we're drinking. <laughs> no, drink. Are you kidding me? Do it. Anyway, but, but yeah, I did actually, I'm trying to cut back on drinking as well because that, you know, makes you gain weight if you mm. do it too much. Yeah. And when I got in the relationship with Zach, it's just so easy when you're with someone to be like, okay, let's pop out the wine. Mm-hmm. So we were drinking almost every night. Well, and it's really interesting because the other thing, so I mean, I had obviously, the last time I drank was on your birthday mm-hmm. and I had kind of planned like, okay, after Leanna's birthday, I'm going to do this anyway. And then from talking to our guests in the interview that everyone's about to hear, like, he talked about how in a relationship of his, like, the alcohol, you know, I think one thing alcohol can do either in a relationship or even in your relationship to yourself is, like, numb certain things in a way that can keep you kind of stuck. Yeah. And, like, accentuate certain things that may or may not be 
health, the healthiest, best patterns for you, you know, and stuff like that. And so yeah, I, as soon as he said that, I was like, yeah, like that's what's been happening for me, I feel like, too, yeah. you know. Yeah, I love that he said that. It yeah. was very eye-opening. Like I never even really um, like processed that, mm-hmm. like realized that, oh, yeah, like when I drink, that helps me not feel as anxious in that moment yeah because it helps calm me down a little bit i mean i think there probably can be some positive sides to that but sure, also is it a band-aid right instead of yeah. like actually dealing with and that again that's what we talked about in that episode but yeah well and like yeah and i've heard um either matchmakers or dating coaches or whatever say this of like you either you shouldn't drink on the first date or you should only have one or something like that and because alcohol is like a social lubricant like it makes you kind of get along with anyone yes and i think i've had the experience of being on a date that like had i not drank i would have been like i don't really want to see this person again but then you end up drinking and then you end up like kind of you're having fun. You kind of talk yourself into it. And that, yeah. Well, how many people have you made out with because you were drunk? And then the next year, like, ooh. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, how am I going to get out of this? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So that's uh, my update. What about you? Okay. So I was trying to think about what to talk about. So I think my, I think mine just kind of goes along with that. I've just realized that. I was just like so stressed out Mm. and um, so I just decided to just kind of create, make ways to make my life less stressful Mm -hmm. and um, so that's just kind of what I've been working on this week. I've been working on cutting out things in my life that are taking space that I I don't need right now Mm -hmm. or aren't. um, You have so many plants. Yeah. When did you get all these plants? They've always been there. Well, I'm growing some... I, I got some basil at the farmer's market, so I'm trying to get some of the sprigs of basil to take root. So we're plant we're in Jared's place tonight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Do you Any, want a spider plant? What's a spider plant? One of the little babies there. Those, those two little pots yeah, at the I front? Wanna, yeah, I want a plant. Yeah, you can have one. Okay. All yeah. right, thanks. Because my big spider in the back is making spider babies. Aww. And then I replant those and I give Aww. them to people. I'm really waiting for that owl to start giving me some babies too. Ooh, I want an owl baby. I know. Okay. You, you'll be you'll be first on the list. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've just <clears throat> been finding ways to um, basically be able to have time to soothe myself more. Mm-hmm. Because I've, you know, with... Olive, so if you don't know, Olive, my dog, had her second surgery, and financially that's a burden, and time-wise that's a burden, and yeah. emotionally that's a burden, and I just I just really have been dealing with intense amounts of anxiety lately, mm. and you know, I've told you guys I, I do, am on medication for that, but it, you know, medication isn't going to solve everything. Yeah, I mean, like, even when you're on medication, if there's more stressful difficult shit happening in your life like that level's still gonna go up right yeah and the more anxiety i feel in my life then i bring that anxiety into my relationship Mm -hmm. and then that affects my relationship and it affects my friendships and it affects my relationship with my family and it affects how i do my job and um you know i it's hard because you listen to these people who are financial gurus and they're like um Work hard now so you don't have to work hard later. 
And so I have that mindset of mm. like, okay, well, I need to bring in this money. So I'm going to do these yoga classes and I'm going to do um, this for the podcast and I'm going to take on extra piano students and then I'm going to take on extra yoga clients and then I'm going to do this. And then, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I can't breathe. Yeah. And um, so I just looked at, okay, what is benefiting my life both emotionally and financially? What is not? And I just decided to um, to make some healthy decisions. So that's kind of been my week. I think that's cool. I think also like I have friends who like are freelancers as like their main gig. And that's always such a difficult balance of like, you know, sure, I'll take any work when I can. But then like you do have to sort of say no to some things and mm-hmm. figure out like, okay, you know, and sometimes you're in the position where it's like, well, this thing I do is more lucrative, but. This other thing that I do is like the thing I really want to be doing, yes. right? And it's it can well, be a and tough that's balance. kind of where I was at. Is you know I make money in this one part of my life, mm-hmm. but that's the part of my life that I've been trying to get rid of for so long, hmm. and I've been putting so much energy into these other parts of my life that has just not been lucrative for me. Yeah, and so it's you know that's been a really hard balance for me, and. Um, you know, my yoga career w- went to a halt with COVID. Yeah. So it's just been, it's been a very interesting year and I'm just, I'm just trying to reset and really refocus on what is important to me and my health is the most important thing to me. Yeah. And, um, so I've got to get my anxiety down and then I can kind of, uh, get back into some things. Yeah. I've been doing some cool breathing techniques that we should talk about, but um, <laughs> uh, but you actually, you, you didn't mention the thing that I know, like another thing that's been really upsetting and really contributing to some of what you've been going through, which is that we are really not enjoying this season of the bachelorette. <laughs> like we're having a really hard time with it, but I think that your mom has been wise enough to point out that that always happens, right? For the first few episodes, you're like, I don't like this bachelorette. Or I don't like this bachelor. And well, then maybe no, Hannah around. Brown. I liked her from the beginning. That's true. She was. I just don't think any bachelorette is ever going to leave up, live up to what Hannah Brown did. You might be right. She just really set an example for a strong, powerful woman who came out of a conservative Christian background and mm-hmm. like decided just not to be judged by people. Yeah. And she was going to make the decision that was best for her. It was just such an entertaining. She was season. unapologetically she was, herself. Yes. Yes. The best dressed. Bachelorette we've ever yeah, had. Yeah, that's true. And um, and the guys were cool, except for that one guy, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, okay. Fucking Luke. Fucking. Luke. Anyway, so yeah, Bachelorette is just not good. We're gonna stick with it. Though. We're gonna, yeah, of course, of yeah. course, and we're gonna keep bashing on people. Well, is that what we do? Do we bash on people? I don't think so. Eh. We, uh, you know, we we have a little fun. <laughs> It's no, not, it's not, I mean, it's not mean spirit. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, we're not going on people's Instagrams and being like, you know, trolling them yes. or anything. I think it's more, I think it's just funny to make fun of. Um, yeah. You know. That's part of the entertainment of reality is. TV is, is the commentary between you and your friends yes, while you're watching. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, guys. So this interview is so good. Yes. You're going to love it. Uh, really quick before we go into the interview. Um, so you'll find out who it is in just a second, but, um, we did want to mention that he does have a coaching program. 
So if you're interested in doing his coaching program, anybody can do it, single in a relationship, single parents. I think he's a single parent, so maybe that's a specialty of his. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Believe, Be Real, Be Bold. And again, we will go over how you can contact him again at the end of the episode, but I don't think we specifically mentioned his coaching program. Yes. So yeah. I'm thinking about doing it. Really? I don't know. Maybe. Ooh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Enjoy. Bye. Okay. So I am really excited to introduce this next guest. He is a certified strength and conditioning coach and Enneagram coach who is passionate about sharing the beliefs of fitness, nutrition, and personal growth to improve mental health. After a couple of breakups in 2017, he discovered that relationships play a big role in our mental health and found the answer to be to self-awareness through understanding his Enneagram challenger personality type. Since that time, he has been educating others about their Enneagram personality types, attachment styles, and love languages on the Believe Be Real Be Bold podcast for authentic dating. Please welcome Dave Glazer. Hi, thanks for having me. I yeah. feel like I should have been applauding in the background. I don't know. <laughs> Did I like miss my cue on that? <laughs> okay, so basically, I'm really excited you're here because we are attachment theory nerds, uh-huh. and I am an Enneagram nerd, and I'm trying to turn Jared into an Enneagram nerd. Um, so I went through a divorce about four and a half years ago, and then found attachment theory, found Enneagram. And I just think it's such a, and love languages too. We've done an episode on that, but I think it's just such a fascinating thing to understand, to learn to understand ourselves better so that we can show up better in our relationships. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, I'm just curious how you got into Enneagram. Uh, That's a long story. So I'll try to make it short, but After about seven years building my business as a personal trainer and a strength coach for jujitsu athletes and soccer athletes, um, I started to understand that um, my clients were being held back by their limiting beliefs. I'm not Mm. good enough. I'm not worthy. Um, I'll never do X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank. And what I found through the Enneagram for myself was a tool of self-awareness to identify which limiting beliefs were coming up for me based on my tendencies and my, um, my core beliefs and desires through the Enneagram typing system. And so I started bringing up the conversation of the Enneagram with my clients in sessions. And the further we pushed that envelope with our strength and conditioning and personal growth and self-awareness through the Enneagram, the more I understood how relationships were coming into play in holding my clients back from reaching their fitness, body composition, and sports performance goals. Interesting. Okay. So then how did, but how did that then change you? Well, like yourself, I went through a couple of breakups in 2017. I had never, I never really expected to be single again. Um, in a long-term relationship that I was in. That one suddenly ended, and then I tried to date again, got into a short-term exclusive relationship right after that. Excuse me, that one ended for other reasons. And that's when I found attachment theory to uh, kind of weave into um, the Enneagram. And I started to propel myself even further forward, uh, 
peeling back the layers of the onion of my own identity and my own self, um, understanding more about the limiting beliefs and past patterns that were holding me back in my relationships. And then I decided, okay, well, if, if I'm going to leave a legacy or if I'm going to share this knowledge with other people, I figured I might as well do that through a podcast. And then um, I started, I started the podcast in early 2018. Um, I knew a couple of dating experts here in Denver and I sought them out. One of whom I matched with on Tinder and that's how we got to know each other. And the, the other, (laughs) the other, I slid up into our DMS on Facebook. So we've been friends ever since. That's awesome. So what is like, I think probably a lot of my listeners have no idea what the Enneagram is. So can you just kind of break it down for us a little bit? Sure, absolutely. Uh, It's centuries old. Um, Priests in Europe used to use the Enneagram as a tool to help their congregation uh, come together closer as a community through understanding themselves and others um, better. So it was a personal growth tool back then. And yeah, much like a lot of other um, personality typing system, it goes in waves. So it's really popular right now. And you'll find a lot of Instagram handles that are focused on the Enneagram. Um, those are great tools to help us become introduced. Uh, but what I've found about the Enneagram for myself is that it deepens my self-awareness to the point of shadow work. And that shadow is including the ego and things that hold us back like those limiting beliefs. Uh, it's the layers of the onion that are so close to the core that are probably why people shy away from it are probably going to shed the most tears when you slice through that onion. Mm-hmm. What are the, so what, so for the Enneagram, right, there's nine different personality types, but then within the nine different personality types, there's like, there's wings, there's like tied numbers, and then there's like the growth part of it. Can you just break down just the the nine types? Sure. I'll, I'll simplify it for you guys. That's how I like to communicate about the Enneagram is keeping it in simple, digestible, um, understanding terms. So uh, we have nine types and it begins with the reformer, type one, uh, which is simply put, they love right and wrong and they like to be fair and they like to be treated fair. Uh, then we have the type two, the helper, and they seek love in ways of in ways of fulfilling themselves. So they give other people help to receive love in return. Mm. And that's a hard thing to look at for the two. They're they're one of the personality types on the Enneagram that does not like looking at their shadow. <laughs> but Um, I'll get more into um, why the two is so important uh, for me in a moment. Then we have the achiever, type three. Um, They seek love by doing and accomplishing and being the best at everything. Um, Then we have the individualist, type four, and they want to be recognized for their uniqueness in the world and the gift that they bring to their community and the world at large. Uh, Next up, we have the investigator, type five, which I resonate with a lot. they like to dive down the rabbit hole on YouTube. They'll sit in a corner of their home for months reading books on attachment theory. <laughs> I almost made you spit out your drink there. <laughs> <laughs> then up next, we have the type six little loyalist. And one of those first two guests that I invited on my podcast is a loyalist. So we joke all the time about her what if scenarios that are going through her mind. That's how... Uh, 
the biggest tendency shows up for the type six, the loyalist. Um, they have played out all scenarios regarding COVID. Okay, this is how it ends. Yeah, but they have ten thousand <laughs> different ways to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then one of my net, one of my favorite personality types, the enthusiast, is type seven, and they have they invented FOMO, fear of missing out, where they will say yes to everything so that they receive love in return. They don't want to miss out, and that's how they receive love. Hmm. And then uh, I'm a challenger, so type eight. Um, this is probably. I'll stay shallow for now and then we can get a little deeper on my own personality type. But we're known as the Mack truck full of marshmallows and I'm a wing seven. So we'll touch on that a little bit, but aptly described as enthusiastic about challenging other people. So as a personal trainer, that's why I gravitated to my career path because I get really amped up and excited to coach other people to help reach their goals, you know, to make personal transformation. That's when I'm at my best. And then finally, we'll round it out with the type nine, uh, the peacemaker, who's kind of a mama bear in the family. She might, um, okay, handle this conflict in this corner of the room at a, at a Thanksgiving dinner, only to just slide over to the other conflict that's going <laughs> on at the other end of the table and resolve all that conflict just to keep the peace. That's how they receive love. I mm. love that. What a great explanation of that. So I made, Jared, did you take your test? I did. Okay. So I purchased, so I took the Enneagram test like four years ago, but I wanted to see if things had kind of changed, like if I'm, my personality had changed and I made, I bought one for Jared and made him take it. So just for my listeners, if you guys want to see like what your personality type is, you can go to Enneagraminstitute.com. It's $12 to pay for the ready test. And it's 144 questions. Um, if you're like me, a seven. <laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. Um, the uh, They say for the test, they're like, it's going to take you 40 minutes. And I'm like, Psh, I can knock that out in 20. <laughs> so anyway. And did you? Takes like, oh, yeah, for sure. So <laughs> it takes about like 20 minutes to do it. Um, but anyway, so Jared, do you want to say what your personality type is? So really interestingly, when I've done it in the past, I've been a two. Um, this time I tied for two and seven. Uh, top, which was really we're gonna answer. We're going to answer one of your questions with that, uh, that tie, the two and the seven. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. Jared, what was your number after that? Oh man. See, now I forget. Uh, wait, I can look it up. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, what's ironic is so in the past I tied for four and eight. So four and a half years ago, I tied as a four and eight. So I must be a seven wing eight. It's possible, yeah. Yeah, but yesterday I tied as Jared, you're gonna die a seven two. Really? Yeah, which is very surprising to me because I feel like I've never connected with a two. Um, because I don't feel like I am like always ready to go help other people. I actually shy away from that because I feel like I get stuck in that. Like I get stuck in like, so I, maybe I'm a, like a healthy two or like, I don't know. <laughs> that's actually, that's actually very possible that, that you're a healthy two and go yeah. on. I interrupted you, but we're going to get into this guys. So then, <laughs> I, so then my next one was so funny. I tied for eight, which was my original personality type. So I'm uh -huh. just curious 
what your thoughts are on like why. So Jared and I apparently are the same person. Yeah, what the hell is that? So I'm I'm seven two tie, and then four three tie, which was interesting. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Jared's okay. All right. Uh, this is going to be so much fun, guys. I, I, I want to dive into you guys specifically, and I'll reflect back a little bit about my yeah. personality type to help um, benefit both of you. All right. So let's cover um, our main personality types we just went through. We went through all nine. Let's touch on the wings really quick. And Jared, we'll use you as an example. So if you had a top score of a two, and then you tied on three and four, well, we're going to have to research a little bit more on your wings because... Uh, you could be known as a two wing three or a two wing four because mm. the types that are on either side of your main type are your wings. And you can swing back and forth between the two. Like if I'm a eight wing seven, I'm enthusiastic about challenging people. But if I'm an eight wing nine at certain points, I'm going to resolve conflict better from my challenging standpoint. I'll challenge others to resolve conflict better if mm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that, that covers what a that covers what a wing is. It's a type on either side of your main type that you resonate with most. What do you do for work, Jared? What do you do professionally? Uh so professionally, I'm like a. L- it's interesting. I I'm uh, I, I work with college students, so I work on, like in a counseling like capacity. Uh, I'm not like a licensed clinician, so I'm, I'm kind of like a problem solver. I put out fires. I also like do health and wellness education. So I'm like building programs and I get really excited about creating new things and like bringing teams of people together to do something cool for students that, you know, or like do better for our students and those kinds of things. So that's the thing. Like when I was taking the test, I was having, I had a lot of trouble answering a lot of the items because I'm like, well... Am I answering it from like how I show up at work or how I show up in relationships? Because yes. there's some differences there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. I yeah. tried to sort of split the mi- middle, but I don't right. know. Okay. So do you get spread thin at work? Yes. Okay. So I would uh, I would guess that at this point in your life, you're a, a two wing three. So the achiever might actually resonate with you more so than the individualist. Mm-hmm. on the other side, because you're accomplishing tasks at work, you gravitate or you're attracted to work environments that are very challenging. And you want to accomplish this task to maybe receive praise at work or validation or appreciation. Yeah, that's like 100% true. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So Jared, you're a two wing three right now uh-huh. in your life. There's other points in your life that you might be a two wing uh uh, I guess it's not possible that you're a two wing four, but we'll get to that here in a second about how you could be um, seeing yourself as an individualist at this time. Hmm. Sound okay. good? Yeah. And then up next, let's talk about both of you as being either mistyped between the two and the seven. These are two okay. personality types that get confused with each other all the time because they behave very, very similar. They say yes to everything. Right, Jared? Mm-hmm. Yep. You say yes. <laughs> you say yes to projects at work. You say yes to family members asking you out to dinner when you know that you need rest, right? A little bit. I'm like getting better. See, th- th- that was the other problem I was having because I was like, you know, well, like 
five or 10 years ago, like I would have picked this one, but like now I'm not so sure, you know, because I, I'm like, mm-hmm. it's weird to be in the process of like being in therapy and like getting healthy and like recognizing some of this stuff. And so I think I was more of like the, I definitely had more like self-sacrificing sort of martyr to in me like a long time ago than I do now. Like Leanna always like laughs when we talk about me as a two because she's like, you say no to stuff all the time. Like, you know, like there's like sometimes where I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Um, so I, so it's like, I, I'm at this point of, of like, of, of, I don't know, like things changing in that way for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For your listeners, when they go to take the test, I, w- I want them to put themselves in the perspective of a 20 year old version of themselves. Mm. Because that's when our personality most of the time gets solidified for the rest of our lives. But uh, as we get to the, these personality types, we'll show you how they move around the crown of the Enneagram to become more like other types. It's very fluid, and that's why I love it. Okay, so the two and the seven get mistyped a lot. Um, they say yes to everything. The seven, the enthusiast, says yes to everything so that they don't miss out, so that they can be with people that they love. Mm-hmm. The type two says yes to everything because they have a very hard time setting boundaries. Mm. Which one resonates <laughs> with you more, Leanna? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely the the seven. I don't. I feel like I don't have a hard time setting boundaries, just because I think I have that seven wing eight, and I'm like, I don't really feel like I'm a people pleaser. Like, if something's happening that I don't like, I'll be like, I don't like that. You know, like I'll just kind of say it how it is. Um, but what's interesting about the two, because I was reading like the the levels of of healthiness or whatever. I do in relationships tend to feel like I've had to really work hard to ask for what I need. And I'm afraid that if I ask for what I need, it's going to be too much. Mm. Now we're we're talking about attachment theory. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Are Are you an anxious attached? Yes, okay. absolutely. That that word being too much, that phrase being too much is quintessential anxiously attached. Mm-hmm. And why why I love layering the Enneagram with attachment theory is for that exact reason, is it mm-hmm. helps us uh, understand ourselves so much better um, that there's underlying, underlying reasons why we would attach to a partner in a certain way and it comes from our childhood. The Enneagram isn't, is solidified in our late childhood, early teen years, because we have all nine types within us. And that's why it's so fluid around the crown of the Enneagram. But it becomes solidified in us with, say, like a an instance or an experience that we have in our late childhood, teen years, where, okay, wow, how do I protect myself against mm. this from happening again in the future. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between the two, but they're so important to layer together for the exact reason why you were just talking about um, mm-hmm. uh, being too much in a relationship. Well, it's it's so funny, Lena, because like as the, yes, you were just starting to say that, I had this like moment of, of revelation of like, because I'm kind of an avoidant too. I think I'm like anxious avoidant, but I, but so, so I'll say no to stuff because I know like once I'm there, I'm going to get sort of so absorbed in 
the people pleasing part of me that I'm like, okay, I have to sort of show up in whatever way this person is expecting me or wanting me to show up. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's really hard for me in dating relationships is I like lose track of, of where I am. And it, it's so easy for me to figure out and intuit how the other person needs me to show up and just do that. And then eventually, if I don't catch that, you know, over time, I'm like, well, this, this whole, this relationship is a lot of work and like, I'm tired, you know? And then, and then I kind of like just bail. Very well said, Jared. I I couldn't have said it better (laughs) myself as I'm a fearful avoidant, which is a lot like anxious avoidant, but for different reasons. And what you said in there is very, very much so from the helper's lens. Um, Mm -hmm. There are, there are three subtypes types for each of our personality types. There's sexual, there's social, and then there's self-preservation. And these are three reasons why we show up as different types across the Enneagram. And Mm. what I hear is I hear you as a social too, showing up like the hostess with the mostess, and then we just get burnt out. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're going into a social (laughs) situation, you show up like others, like others expect you to be. Yeah. And that's really energy draining. Yeah. And it's, but it's interesting though, because I think like part of me, like the achiever in me, right? Like I'm good at that and I can like, you know, and so I can like, you know, like Leanne and I have talked on the podcast before about how, you know, in, in group social situations, I can kind of like, you know, keep everybody sort of comfortable and having a good time and whatever. And and so there's, there's some part of me that feels validation from, from being good at that and like being of service to, to my group of friends trying to have a good time in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But then there's times where, there's a weird shadow side thing that comes in there too that sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear you more talk about shadow side, but like at, sure. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happens when you don't get that validation? In, in like the kind of group setting that we're talking about or just like in relationships more? Both. Cause they're very good. They're going to be so similar. Hmm. What happens when I don't get that validation? Uh, what, like, what happens when I ask, when I say the word resentment? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I think, so here's how I relate to resentment is I, I think when I'm so busy sort of doing for the other person and I, and I lose track of like my authentic self and then, but I, like some part of me is like wanting them to see it you know, to like see through the performance that I'm doing. And when they don't, I I get like really resentful or, or I just get resentful from like, gosh, I've done all of this work and I've done, you know, I've like put myself out 20 different ways to listen to this person, help them feel better, whatever. Um, you know, and, and, and yet I'm not getting the things I need. And like, yeah, resentment is a big thing that happens for me in mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I can resonate with that a lot. Definitely. And, uh, let's, let's just touch on the shadow just for a moment since you brought it up. But if, uh, if we were to look at our shadow and understand that our partner and our friends and our social group are not mind readers, mm-hmm. then we're going to discover a lot more about ourselves in the way that we show up with others. And that's where the resentment comes from is because why can't they understand my needs? 
why can't they meet my needs without me expressing them or asking for them all the time? Yeah. Does that resonate? Yeah, totally. Well, and it's like, you know, it's interesting because I think the 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 performer part of me or that the helper part of me is like the, that comes from a fear place of like that if I just show up the way I am, uh, that people aren't going to like want or love that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there's, you know, it's true. Like I, I remember talking to my therapist years ago about this, like, like there's a me that's like on stage, like putting on a nice show. And then there's like real me that's like backstage, like peeking through the curtain, like out of the audience being like, why can't they, why aren't they seeing like me, me? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me just jump in really quick and then we'll just move on. Um, for the okay. for the benefit of the Enneagram, overall, the goal is to show us what mask we wear and teach us how to remove it so that that authentic person who's peering out from behind the curtains backstage can come through and be loved for exactly who you are. Oh, that helps me so much because especially when I was thinking about the enthusiast, I I literally had the thought like right after I took the test, I'm like, well, that's like a mask I wear. I literally Uh like thought that. So that's, that's very cool to know. Okay. I want to go back to me. (laughs) You didn't want to miss out, did you? So, okay, so Jared, if Jared's a two and the seven is like the mask that he puts on, am I a seven and the two is a mask that I put on? Uh, very unlikely. Um, let's, let's talk about your four and your eight test um, okay. from the context of a two, the helper. So you mentioned earlier that there are growth points and stress points for each of the personality types. For my example, I'm an eight. So when I'm healthiest, when I'm at my best, I look and appear more like a healthy two, the helper, Mm. which is why this conversation is going to be so beneficial for all three of us because we can relate (laughs) to each other in that fact. Like when I'm at my best, I become a lot like Jared when he's healthy and uh, you, uh, Jared, when he's healthy, but. I'm seeing a lot of seven from you. So, but we're going to figure that out here in a second. When I'm at my worst, I'm more like the five, the investigator, where I need to connect all of the dots on all of the intuitive things that are coming up for me. I got to find out the truth about that. I need to find out the truth about that. And when I'm at my worst, I show up more like the five. And that's my stress point. For the two, your stress point is much like the unhealthy version of an eight. Mm. And the unhealthy version of me, so I'll speak from it, my perspective in it, and if it resonates with you, then you might be at times in your life stressed going towards the eight if you're a two. So (laughs) my archetype when I'm at my worst is a lot like Donald Trump. Hmm. And I (laughs) I like to put the worst of the worst of my shadow out in the front. Like I'm gonna name it. My shadow is Donald Trump. And he's assumed to be a type eight. But if we look at the overall mental health, emotional health, physical health, we're at the bottom rungs of the optimal level of health there. Would you agree? Yes. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are not Trump supporters. So feel free. Yeah. And we're not making this a political conversation. We're making this a mental health conversation. Yeah. 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 Totally. I I need the reminder as the eight 
to stay far away from that shadow. So it inspires me to do the work to get closer to my growth point, which is the two. Hmm. When the so two, what is the shadow of the eight? Like, is it like, what con- are the characteristics? Mm-hmm. Controlling. Um, gotta be owning everything. Gotta be like the empowered leader, but not in a good way. Um, a lot like do as I say right now or else. Hmm. So if I see that coming up in my relationships, that's me pushing other people away with my avoidant attachment style. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important. Jared was talking about this earlier about his anxious avoidant to understand that these things are, are interwoven and that we're not compartmentalized Enneagram over here, attachment style over here. They're more like this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm interlacing my fingers there. So we were talking about the two though. So the two, when they're at their stress point, go towards an eight. And that would be very, very draining energetically. And that would be very, very frustrating for a two who's like possessive, manipulative, controlling at their worst to get people to love them. Why don't you see me? Why don't you read my mind? Why don't you show up for me, meet my needs without me asking? That's the shadowy side of a two. Mm. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that might possibly be why you typed it as an eight at some point in your life. Okay. Now let's go to your growth <laughs> point as a two. This will okay. help Jared too. Uh, Jared, why you typed equally on the three and the four is because when the two is at their best, they move across the Enneagram towards the four. That's their growth point. Hmm. Where the two wants to show up and help others in their unique way in this world. Okay, yeah. And so your profession, you're helping college students reach their true potential by achieving things at work that you're asked to do and you can't say no to. So every time you achieve, you're serving both your employers and your leaders and your community of college students in your own unique way in the world. Yeah. Yeah, and that's then, definitely like that, that that feels like the the healthiest like expression of of yeah, like how I show up at work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the mask comes off for you because when you're serving these college students and you see them reach their true potential or their potential at where they're at in their life right now, you don't need that external validation because that validation comes from you internally. A hundred percent. Yeah. So does the growth point and the stress point resonate with you as a two? Yes, for sure. Yeah. And Leanne, does that resonate with you? I think the, I'm not sure the two stress point resonates with me. How about your wing? The three? No, your, your seven wing eight. Seven wing eight. I feel like that resonates with me more. Like the definitely like the, I think when I'm unhealthy, I like can become a little narcissistic. Me too. You know, like a little bit about me and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, yeah, probably controlling. Like I want things my way because I like them my way. And I, I have a hard time like giving up that control, um, But I also think I can come to it in a healthy way where I can stand up for my friends or like 
be the one in the group to like, um, like say something that everybody needs someone to say, like, I feel like I can show up in that way. Mm. So I, I don't know, like, but I kind of want to talk about the seven. <laughs> <laughs> so classic. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna fi- I'm gonna find my resource here really quick, and that'll that'll help us talk about the seven from your growth and your stress point. Sound good? Okay. Yes. Okay. So I totally resonate with you that like as the seven with a wing eight. And you're in a you're in a situation with your community, your small group of people, um, and you say what everybody else is thinking or needs to be said for everyone, so that they can be defended, right? So that they mm-hmm. can be protected. And you're mm-hmm. absolutely right that like those are those are the great attributes of an eight. So I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. Now when when a seven is at their best, you're going to actually move closer towards the five, the investigator, in a good way. I, I, I really feel like I don't have any five in me. Okay. Well, let me, let me double check that really quick as we go well, through. Like, what, what do you mean, like, what parts of five? Because I feel like, I don't know. Like, I just, maybe just because I have a bad image of a five (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I don't want to be anything like a five. I don't know. Did you have a five in your life at some point? Yes. Multiple. Okay. (laughs) Got it. So let's focus on, on us for right now. Cause it always starts with me and the Enneagram is a self assessment tool. So when we get into our shadowy side, the two, the eight, um, we're going to project our shadow onto other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the learning lessons about life, not just through the Enneagram, but like, okay, what I'm insecure about, what I have shame around, how do I not project that onto my partner, my friends, my coworkers, and my family members? Does that sound fair? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the seven. <laughs> okay. If I were to say, uh, you easily become an accomplished achiever and a generalist who does many things, many different things very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're talking about the upper levels of a seven. And this is mm-hmm. how the investigator shows up for you. You're knowledgeable about a lot of things, but you don't have to master them because you've yes, mastered <laughs> You're like a jack of tra- a jack of all trades, master of none, but you do it so enthusiastically. Yes. <laughs> and when you say it with confidence, people are going to believe you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so that's how the fluid nature of the enneagram works is we're taking the best attributes of a five. And when you were talking about other investigators in your life, you probably saw their negative attributes and less about their um, positive attributes. And um, that's actually a tendency of an avoidant attachment, but we've already talked about your anxious attachment style. Well, I'm definitely anxious avoidant. Okay. 
I mean, like a hundred percent, but more, I think my avoidant, Jared's <laughs> laughing, my avoidant comes in because I'm so anxious. So it's like, it's like the, the avoidant is a mask for my mm-hmm. anxiousness. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Let's dig, let's dig deeper into that through both the lens of the Enneagram and the attachment style. So uh, you said earlier that you're afraid of being too much. Mm-hmm. And so an anxious attachment style will push away other people much like an avoidant so that they can, they can leave the other person before they become too much so that they don't have to feel the pain of rejection when the other person leaves them. Yes. And that's how the anxious attachment style appears like an avoidant, but may not necessarily Mm. be an avoidant. Does that make sense? Mm. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> are, are you ready to talk about the shadowy side of the the enthusiast yes okay so um i'm i'm in a new relationship and my partner is an enthusiast on the enneagram so we're learning a lot about each other from a seven and an eight lens and it's been a lot of fun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when the seven um is operating at their worst and in their shadow they are very enthusiastic about being right. Okay. And showing other people how they're wrong. <laughs> this is like so a hundred we were this is a hundred percent Leanna. Like we were just we were watching the uh Bachelorette last night and there's a moment where the Bachelorette like sort of like has to tell off all the bachelors because of like they didn't do something right or whatever. And I was like looking at Leanne. I'm like, this is like you all over. Like, I'm like, you love telling people. <laughs> like, I was like, you love giving people a, a piece of your mind in like dating situations. <laughs> well, because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> do you see how excited she got about saying that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, let's jump back to um, how personality types relate to each other through the lens of the Enneagram and the attachment theory, because I think we're bringing up a really good point here. And and I, I shared what I shared about my my current relationship because we talk about attachment theory and we talk about Enneagram very early on in our relationship because it's important to both of us. Mm-hmm. And when she said, hey, Dave, I took my Enneagram test. Um, I'm a seven and a one. I scored very, very highly on both of those. As opposed to my shadowy side of the eight, wanting to protect myself and not being vulnerable, I didn't immediately say through my attachment lens, the avoidant, of saying, oh, she typed as a seven, as a one. She must be an unhealthy seven. Mm. I, I could not say that because that would be me, be me projecting my shadow onto my partner. And that's mm. where we get into trouble with our attachment styles. It would have mm. been a deactivating strategy on my at- avoidant attachment side to push the other person away. Mm. So as opposed to saying, or as opposed to projecting my assumptions onto my new partner, I simply said, that's great. Let's explore that down the road when you're ready or when we get to know each other better. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to see that healthy version of myself through both the lens of the Enneagram and the attachment styles to not immediately jump to conclusions about my partner because they took a personality assessment test. Mm-hmm. 
but as opposed to um, the choice that I wanted to make was to slowly progress forward to get to know the real person without their mask on mm. or my or my projected mask of who they might be. Mm. And what happens because we're taking this slow approach, I don't see any of that one. I don't see any of that like uh, very, very much so shouting loudly, I'm right, you're wrong, here's why. Mm-hmm. We don't have that dynamic because we're, we're not projecting onto each other. Mm-hmm. This is so fascinating. Um, what, what is, can you talk a little bit about like within each number? Um, let's see, hold on. Sure. Oh, there's levels of, there's levels of development. And I was listening to your, your podcast when you were talking about how you're a challenger and there's all these levels of development. So what, what are those levels and like, how can we learn those levels to get to know ourselves better? Mm, that's a great question. And that's part of the tool that we use most frequently when we talk to people about the Enneagram. Uh, we've briefly touched on it before. When it, you're at your best, you're in your top third of the nine levels of optimal health there. You're at levels one, two, and three. And in your case, you're a jack of all trades, master of none, but you're enthusiastic about it and you're confident enough that people believe you that you're right. <laughs> That would be you operating in your top level, top third of your optimal health. And then we have average after that, which is levels four through six. And that's where we can be a little bit more egocentric. Uh, what are my needs that I can take care of for myself right now, today, this week, this month, and almost um, not ignore other people, but not put them first, which is a good place to be. It's healthy for us mm -hmm. because it allows us to springboard back up into that optimal level of health where we're now giving back to our communities. Mm -hmm. But there's sometimes in our lives where we have to operate at the average because it can be exhausting to be at a one. And it's mm -hmm. very hard to stay at a one all the time. I'm not at a one. Not today. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm, I'm challenging you guys. I'm poking at you guys. I might actually be on the in the average today, you know, because I'm. I'm explaining a new experience for you guys. And I'm like, poke, 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 poke. Okay, here's your shadow. Here's your shadow. And that's not a great mm -hmm. place for me to operate full-time either because it's, mm -hmm. it's not gonna gravitate positive energy to me and exude positive mm -hmm. energy out. Make sense? Because not everybody likes that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, when, I get, when I get into my shadowy side and I start poking and trying to illustrate my point by putting a little bit of shame into my delivery. No one likes that. Mm, mm -hmm. interesting. And that's where, yeah. that's where I operate in my lower third of optimal health, level seven through nine. I may actually use that shame as a tool subconsciously and less subconsciously now because of self-awareness that we've developed through attachment theory and the Enneagram. I don't want to repel people through my avoidant attachment by shaming them because my Enneagram type is operating at a low level of health. Mm. Hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering, I, I don't like, just as a way of like helping illustrate this for, for our listeners, right? So Dave, can you talk about sort of, so ha, like what the Dave that showed up in relationships looked like 
you know, before you started all of this sort of self-awareness work versus, you know, and compare him to how Dave shows up in relationships today? Man, you're asking the hard shadow question right now. <laughs> and and I'm a, I'm 100% transparent and open and almost in almost excited to share this transformation. I was just speaking about it last night actually with a fellow member of my men's group. Um, and in my three and a half year relationship that I never expected to end because we enjoyed our time together, we had really good quality, quality time together, physical touch are my top two love languages. So both of those needs were being met for me without necessarily needing to be asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, because we lived together and we spent a lot of time together, we integrated our families, uh, we both had children. My daughter's 18 now, so that's less of a determining factor when it comes to relationships. But old Dave in this relationship gave enough reassurance to my anxiously attached partner that she would stick around, but yet not come on too strong so that I would have to leave as an avoidant Mm. attachment style. Where it came to a head and where it came to an end is when there was betrayal within the relationship on not infidelity, thankfully, because that would be very traumatic for me, but more so just on a hidden um, a lie by omission. I did not get the full truth on a, a story. Mm-hmm. And after three and a half years, our relationship ended because of that. But that's my Enneagram type eight, feeling betrayed. And then therefore, my avoidant attachment style is activated and I ran. Mm. we gave it another eight or 10 months of worth of attempts to repair the relationship, not living together, taking space, Mm. which is great for an avoidant to realize what the good things about the relationship were, but we were never able to repair. So that's old Dave, where Mm. if my um, biggest fear is an eight, uh, being betrayed, being controlled, manipulated, and possessed activates my attachment style (laughs) That's the old version of me. And I was becoming aware of these things. I was becoming aware of my shadow at that time because I'd found the Enneagram. And then my clients at the gym started to share attachment theory with me. And I'm like, aha moment for me. And then fast forward after three years of being single, that was an intentional choice of mine. Um, I came close to a couple of relationships in that three-year period with amazing, good quality women that just weren't the right fit for me at the time quite possibly because my avoidant attachment style was activated because mm. of the betrayal or um, mistrust that the uh, the type eight brought into the experience. Mm-hmm. But fast forward to today where all this self-awareness and all this personal growth and development work has come to a point in my life where I feel very integrated as a, as a masculine energy. And an integrated version of me looks like a healthy version of distance, a healthy communication, um, reassuring my anxiously attached partner. That's that's self-assessed. I, I did not say to my partner, you're anxiously attached. I could not. We actually brought that information into our relationship, and that's why it's so um, beneficial for me to communicate with my partner. Hey, I've got a busy day on Wednesday. I won't be able to text throughout the day, but I'll see you that night. Cause I'm looking forward to dinner. 
that doesn't sound at all like my avoidant attachment. It actually sounds very secure and it feels very secure for me because I'm an integrated masculine energy and I've understood my personality type and my attachment style. But if, it, if my current relationship were absent of that communication, that would be my avoidant attachment showing up. Then it would activate my partner's anxious attachment and she would start to be uh, displaying protest behavior, which that actually looks a lot like clinginess. And then it goes mm -hmm. back to the type eight where controlling possessiveness and manipulation appears like clinginess to me. Mm. So the Dave that you're meeting today is doing my best, working my hardest so that I don't create deactivating strategies in my relationship. So it does not take me to the lower levels of health of my type eight so that I can show up best for my partner, even in conflict even if we have opportunities of, of growth and conflict for an eight is actually breeding intimacy. Mm. I don't shy away from conflict. I'll actually mm. lean into it. Mm. Interesting. Can, can you explain? I know we're, we're coming up on time here. Jared has to leave right at nine 30 and I don't want to take your time more than an hour, but can you explain really quickly? What did you mean when you said, um, that you gave just enough reassurance, mm. but like, were you like purposefully holding back because of like you resented the other person for being needing so much reassurance? That would actually be quintessential push pull in a relationship of an anxious and an avoidant. Um, I was chatting with my men's group participant last night and reassurance is a band aid on a relationship. An anxiously attached person needs more re needs reassurance more often than the other attachment styles. Makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So I was giving enough reassurance by moving in with her too early, by spending quality mm -hmm. time with her. Um, I was narrating about wine nights at home. I don't drink anymore, which helps me stay in tune with my um, with my attachment style and my enneagram type stops it before it rises as far as deactivating strategies go. So quality time was being met through wine nights at home, but the wine was numbing my avoidant attachment style to the point where I'm like, I don't feel like I need to run away because I just wasn't addressing what was truly going on in the push-pull relationship of an anxious avoidant trap. Hmm. Well, and it, and it also, like, when I hear that, it sounds to me, right, like, as an avoidant attachment style, right? Like, so everybody wants intimacy. Like we want that feeling of connection and closeness, but if it feels too scary or overwhelming or threatening, then we run the other way. And so if you can find this equilibrium where there's like, you're getting just enough intimacy, but it's not too close that it's going to trigger the like, Oh, holy shit, I got to get out of here. Uh, you know, then, then you can kind of stay in this in-between place where like nobody's really getting triggered too much. So you're not in this conflict push pull, but nobody's really getting their needs met either, you know, but it's like just good enough. Yeah. Spoken like a true helper. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm glad I could help. Yeah. What? And what go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say NC is an anxious attachment style. I'm listening to you talking and I'm like, I feel so abandoned. <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. So what Jared's talking about to me, what comes up for me is tiptoeing in a relationship or being on eggshells in a relationship and having one foot out too. So if the Mm. anxiously attached partner is tiptoeing or walking on eggshells because they don't want to be too much for their partner and they want their partner to stick around, so they're going to hold back, not a healthy place for that person to be. And if the avoidant attached is... um, has one foot out of the relationship, then that's going to keep the anxious partner gravitating towards the avoidant, which then Mm. pushes the avoidant away. And it eventually takes that second foot out of the relationship because it became too much for the avoidant. So the best solution, uh, the not the best solution, but the best choice for either an anxious or an avoidant attached style is to find a secure partner. Because the secure partner is going to intuitively know how to meet your needs on reassurance without being too often because they won't run away from too frequent of reassurance like the avoidant. And the avoidant uh, with a secure partner will have enough personal time and freedom and space and independence that they feel the security and safety in the relationship and they will actually gravitate more towards the secure. Mm. Mm. So powerful. Um I think we better stop there. I could literally talk about this for hours. Me too. Um, I know. Do you have one final like thought of wisdom about all of the work that you do? Oh, thank you very much. Um, what I've uncovered over uh, the past three and a half years of personal growth and development, being intentional about uh, understanding myself first, is that it's three major things. Uh, it starts with you. So the work that we're doing internally to look at our shadow, to peel back the layers of the onion is so important to build a good quality relationship down the road. That comes into play in a relationship when conflict comes up. Oh, I'm feeling a little defensive right now. What is triggering me, not who is triggering me. Mm. And that Mm -hmm. comes from Mm -hmm. self-awareness. Step number two, I like these three steps. Step number one, we just covered. Step number two is to set healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries can be different for a lot of different people. For Jared, it might be saying no to a new project at work because he hasn't completed the last three. Mm -hmm. Because he has a hard time saying no to employers and yet still wants to achieve and accomplish and get a good grade on the three projects he's already committed to. Mm Mm-hmm especially if that new project is not on your responsibility job list. Healthy boundaries for me, um, since I have, um, as the type eight, my biggest fear is being vulnerable or open to hurt. Well, for a long time, my boundary was I don't text after 9 p.m. because I have 6 a.m. clients the next day. Well, I can't go into a new partnership and say definitively that I won't text my new partner back after nine, that would be unfair. And it would be my avoidant attachment style pushing my partner away. Mm. So healthy boundaries can be flexible, but they also have to be healthy for us first. Mm -hmm. And then finally, step number three is um, learn how to manage your own expectations. There's a difference between expectations and standards. Standards are if you text me at 2 a.m., I'm not going to reply because I think you only want one thing. An expectation is I won't date anyone who texts me after two or texts me after midnight. 
I expect other people to know that they cannot reach me after midnight. Well, simply mm. just by simply just by setting a healthy boundary there, I won't text back after midnight shows the other person that they can't text you after midnight and reach you. That's why mm -hmm. healthy boundaries help us manage our expectations. Mm-hmm. Ah, so good. <laughs> That's well, awesome. Tell, tell my listeners where they can go find you, where they can listen to your podcast and all the things. Thank you very much. Yeah, on Instagram, we're at believe, be real, be bold, one long word. Um, you can find our podcast platforms there. Um, same name on all of your major podcast platforms plus YouTube. Um, each week we interview uh, an expert, um, whether that be a counselor, a therapist, a speaker, an author, or dating coaches locally and, uh, and across the world. We had the opportunity to interview somebody from Greece and France and Brazil. And we just love the community of authentic people that we're building who are passionate about learning more about their Enneagram type attachment styles and how love languages can come into play in there to create their ideal relationship and find their ideal partner. Hmm. Love that. Okay. Well, Dave, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Maybe one of my favorite episodes. Um, just so eye-opening. I love this topic and um, I can't wait for my listeners to, to go check out your stuff. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure to join you guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you guys, it was such a good episode. Dave, you are amazing. Thank you so much. You guys go follow him. If you're interested in his coaching program, reach out to him. And um, we just cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Yes, yeah, so much fun. Uh, and then I've been following Dave since we recorded a few days ago. Really good follow on social media. Yes, really totally. Good I know I share his stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and then you guys follow us. So yeah. go on Instagram at hello and goodbye podcast at underscore Lena Joan at the real Jared Rodriguez. We're on Twitter at hello underscore by underscore pod. You can join our H&G Hive group on Facebook. Facebook, mm -hmm. um, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, reviews will be, the winners will be decided on October 31st. Yeah. <laughs> and then go to our website for everything else, www.helloandgoodbyepodcast.com. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Bye.